following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for fathers' rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Fathers Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. All right, good evening, everyone, as we welcome the end of winter and the start of spring. You're spending your Friday evening with me, and I thank you for that. I am the founder of Fathers Lives Matter and the host of The Father's Truth, Alan Donovan. On tonight's, er, let's start with this. Tonight's episode of The Father's Truth is sponsored by American Owned Apparel, which is an American clothing company designed to support the American economy. Unlike most other American clothing brands, all the apparel is made in the U.S. So, you don't hear that very often, right? Most everything's made in Taiwan, China, every place but here. So, you know, check them out. If you want to know more about American Owned Apparel, go to AmericanOwnedApparel.com to check it out. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode of The Father's Truth, you can reach out to me via DM or email me at thefatherstruth at zohomail.com. So tonight on Season 2, Episode 3 of The Father's Truth, we have Robert LaFrance. Robert is a veteran who, during his time in the service, worked on submarines, teaching our sailors to escape submarines. After leaving the service, he threw his hat into the ring as a newly minted entrepreneur. It was during this time that Robert became a new father and found himself in an abusive relationship that ended in the nightmare that we all have had to deal with, parental alienation. So without further ado, let's get Robert in here. Waiting for Robert now. Just be a moment here. Hey, Robert, how are you, brother? Great, great. How about yourself? Oh, hold on a sec. Hold on one second. Yes, sir. All right, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, I just got a new microphone, and uh, it's not letting me hear it, hear the outlet when it's plugged in, so I got to unplug it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. that oh. I got some mics that are the same way, too. Yeah, well, you sounded real great. Well, uh, I guess I'll have to figure it out. I guess it's one of those headphone deals where I got to wear headphones to actually hear, which I don't really care for. But uh, what do you do? Anyways, hey, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for that awesome introduction, too. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. So how's things going where you're at? Things are going uh, – things are getting better, to be honest with you. You know, like after a long road of like – all this, this journey of like, you know, <clears throat> what it is having a baby mama going through like parental alienation, having to go through the courts, things are finally starting to look better. <clears throat> and, and right now I'm in between, um, you know, I filed a motion for contempt back in the day and I've got, we had our first court hearing in March. We had a continuance so they can review a lot of the evidence that we submitted. And right now things are looking in my favor and I'm really just happy that I put in the work all along this time to get my ducks in a row to make it simple for the courts to do their thing. And then also have this point for, you know, right now 
my former spouse is just starting to communicate with me. We had our first parent teacher conference together mm -hmm. today, like ever, you know, and that's like after not seeing or speaking to my child for 180 days at a time, you know, so it's like something's happening. So it's progressing. Good. So you are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Yes. And I honestly, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know <laughs> how to like take that in, you know, cause it's different. It's not like waking well, up. Yeah. And... Well, yeah. I mean, you go from a life filled with issues and fighting and struggling to see your child to having hope to maybe thinking, Hey, you know, maybe this is going to get back to normal where I can start seeing my child on a regular basis. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge switch. You know, I remember yeah. when I went through that, you know, do you think you guys will ever be able to effectively co-parent? I mean, we were able to communicate. We were effectively communicating during the parent-teacher conference today. So mm -hmm. if we can just keep doing that and, you know, with practice, you know, <laughs> we, it was hard for us to do it before, you know, so it's not like it's just going to be easy now. <clears throat> but, you know. No, absolutely. I, so. I definitely understand that. Uh, so let's get into your story. I First off, I want to hear a little bit about the submarines. You know, how you taught, what your job was teaching sailors to escape from submarines. You know, submarines have always fascinated me. I could never actually be in one, you know, <laughs> but I, I think they're cool nonetheless. Yeah, you know, their function is really cool. I mean, they're stealth underwater vessels, you know, and they do a lot of things and they have some pretty cool technology on them. And so I've toured one. I've never gone out to see one out to sea on one because I'm like you, I have no interest on doing the time warp. <laughs> you know, that's what some of my, some of my really good friends, when they come up, they're like, man, it's like the time warp when they're all singing. It's like, well, let's do so, but essentially I was in the Navy as a diver and mm -hmm. I taught submarine escape at the sub base in New London and Groton. Okay. And um, the idea was really cool. You're pushing, you're pushing the rules of the dive manual and you're having some mariners, you know, of all ages, newly enlisted um, Navy guys and gals and putting them in the most dangerous diving scenario that somebody could ever be in. And where these people aren't divers, they're not, you know, they go through a physical screening to make sure that their health is to a standard. But then we put them, <clears throat> we build them up to wearing the suit and then we launch them from 45 feet in a, in a pool in a cylindrical shaped 45 foot pool. And then we control them and then they free ascend from 45 to zero feet. And it's really cool. No mishaps, <clears throat> no mishaps of the years that I was there. And you can feel Boyle's Law. You can feel the air expand in your chest and push its way out of your mouth. So, like, if you were to ever be, like, diving or if you've ever thought about diving, you're like, oh, wow, it's really dangerous. As long as you don't fight to hold your breath, like, really, really fight, nature will do its thing as long as you're going up towards the surface and it'll, like, go out. You don't have to worry about your lungs exploding. <clears throat> so would that basically be, like, the bends then? So the bends is where the bends got its name from people bending over in their stomach because it's from decompression sickness. Um, there's nitrogen in the air right now. Mm -hmm. And then when you start diving, the deeper you go, the increased percentage of both oxygen and nitrogen uh, as you go deeper. So when you have a, an abundance of nitrogen in your tissue, since your body doesn't metabolize it like oxygen, you get like high while you're down there. But then if you're down there for too long, uh, nitrogen saturates your tissues. So you okay. have to come up at a certain point. And then if you come up, you know, after from being down there too long and not doing the right stops, you'll bend over and that's air 
expanding in your body and your tissues. And you have yeah, to be when put I, back down to depth. When I was growing up, my dad was a freshwater diver, a scuba diver. And he yeah. always used to talk about the bends and all these other crazy things. And I mean, it looks cool, but nah, I'll leave that to you guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll just stay above water. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Free diving is really cool. And that's just where you're breath holding. You know, you have a white weight belt or something and you can go check out some coral reef or you can uh, free dive. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, with technology these days, it's so you just look at a computer, you know, and yeah. you're just be smart. <laughs> so, so after you got out of the service, uh, you became an entrepreneur. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I got out after seven years of the Navy. I was into, it was 2015. Um, and during my time, they had what's called uh, perform to serve. And that's like, hey, are you thinking about staying in? Or are you getting out because you have a number and we're going to give that to somebody else kind of thing, if I remember that correctly. So I had gave I had given that up a year before and I was like, OK, I'm committing to getting out. And then um, in that same year, I got out in August, September, and my daughter was born in December. So right out of the Navy, right into civilian, went right into school, right into becoming a brand new dad and uh, got into real estate and bounced the transition from the military to like stay at home life, full-time student, starting a business. It was, you know, like, and I, I, I bring up like, you know, I, I like saying that I'm a veteran and I have that experience to connect with other veterans because it's like an unspoken thing where you just expect to transition out and everything's going to be fine. It's like, mm -hmm. yo, I'm just going to transition. I'm going to get out. You know, like some people, it might be like that. And then some people might have a harder time. I mean, the statistics show the news show that there is a need for VA and homelessness and suicide prevention. So if there's a, there's, there's that affects people, you know, so sometimes, especially being my, either myself or, you know, the community they come from within the Navy community is like, there's a bit of an ego and a thing there where like, you know, nothing's wrong or this or that. And, you know, everything will be fine. And you don't even know that like, you may or may not be in an unhealthy environment because you might not be familiar with what a healthy environment looks mm -hmm. like from being in the military service. Some people have, everybody has a different experience. Yeah. So uh, with all that being said, like that, you know, it, it's just starting to recognize with me after all these years, these last like three to five years, I'm like, wow, like there was definitely a transition period there. And there was definitely a time where I had no time to catch my breath and you just have to keep pivoting. And I say that because it can get really hard, no matter if you're a veteran or not, uh, a dad going through the stuff that we go through and trying to stay on your feet, you know, not be homeless, not be a part of, you know, like try to see your daughter, you know, like all that stuff, it always heavy. And it's okay to like either put it to the side and handle it when it's right or like just keep pushing through and pivoting and pivoting. Yeah. So, so after getting out of the service, you know, you started the entrepreneurship, got into real estate and all that. Then you became a new father. And then that kind of transitioned or pivoted into finding yourself in an abusive relationship. How did that all start? Wow. It was all, it was actually like all at the same time, like all of it happened all at the very same time, because as I'm becoming a new entrepreneur and getting into real estate, personal development and sales marketing is very important to connect with more people, build more rapport and sell your product and service. So I started looking at these things and then, oh man. And then, so as I became more aware of myself and the communication skills and, um, you know, what one party was contributing to the conversation and what I was contributing, I was really able to identify like, 
what our issues were. And I really had to look at myself in order to do that. And it was like by accident, you know, I'm like, okay, what can I do to be better in my business? And I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually apply a lot of these skills in my marriage and communication and parenting. Mm -hmm. So like, I definitely came from, I grew a lot from, you know, the time that I transitioned out to where I started getting into my business. And that's around the same time where we were moving from, we were in some military relocation, moving out of the country and where I was bouncing between Island life and Virginia life doing real estate business. So it's like, we're all just trying to balance our properties and keep going with what's going on. And so after some time of, you know, doing back and forth and communication, whether it was due to baby blues or, you know, I try to give the benefit of the doubt, especially now, like, but like there was a really hard time where there were, it turned into an abusive relationship. If you did a diagram, you know, the family yeah. services given diagram of these different characteristics, I met all of them, you know, and I wanted to make sure that if I was contributing any of these characteristics, I needed to address them. And I feel like I, you know, I'm no perfect human being. I've absolutely made mistakes in my past and I will man up and Roger to that. Like I've made mistakes, but like, it's important to identify what you're doing right and wrong and correct them if they're wrong, you know, and that's for both parties, for the children and the longevity of the relationship. And so when we tried to do that, it just did not work. It just did not work. You know, I would say that I gave a lot of, a lot of, a lot of effort because I was holding my kid and I'm thinking, I'm crying. I got my mother-in-law looking at me like, yo, I want to talk to you upstairs. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to be here with my kid because I haven't seen her or talked to her and God knows how long. So it's like when you're sitting there making a decision of like, okay, am I in a really bad scenario? And can I live here for the next 20 years? You know, I grew up witnessing my parents. I, w I grew up in an abusive mm. drug, abusive and violence stuff that like, I used to be like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just my life. I've moved past it. But then there's like when I'm having conversations with people in my mastermind groups and we're like, oh, yeah, that's like trauma, dude. Like I grew up with that, too, or like this and that. Like that's trauma. You shouldn't see like people chasing people with knives in your house when you're five years old. Like that's not good. You know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not normal. <laughs> you by, know, any, but like, you know, by any stretch. <laughs> yeah. And, and then so but, you know, when you talk, when you hear about Tony Robbins and other people and you like to. I look at things and I put them into perspective, you know, there's statistics out there and, you know, it's at least X, Y, Z isn't happening to me. Right. Like that's yeah. how we cope with this move through it. But still, like you're saying, I have to address that and be honest with myself. So is any of that re is, is that a pattern or am I seeing any of that behavior in my parenting, in my marriage, in my relationship? Is it happening? Is it coming from me? Is it coming from the other party? And or is anybody doing anything to do better? And when do we call it quits? I don't want, I don't want children to be freaking out, scared of their parents because of some crazy scenario that they shouldn't be having to having to witness. And so for me, I made the decision, like, listen, I, I know my dad fought like hell to be in my life growing up. So, and I know that there's a system out there. I'm going to get familiar with it and I'm going to do everything that I can to be in my kid's life because I'd rather, you know, I used to hear this expression, like, you know, treat me like your kid would want to be treated in a relationship. And that really struck, that, that struck a chord with me. I'm like, yeah. right on. Okay. Like that makes a lot of sense, you know? So like, do I want my daughter to grow up seeing how I am being treated as a man from a woman? Is that okay to her? Will she do the same, you know? And like, 
what will it symbolize if I make a decision to leave to the family? You know, like the oldest sister is super upset, you know, like because my former spouse had a marriage and a child before me, you know what I mean? So like I was around for five years. I taught her how to ride a bike and everything like that. And I have no legal right to her now. Her dad and I still keep in touch. You know, he and I co-parent pretty well and communicate. But um, it was really difficult to like look at that and say, and to just go from there. If I ramble, you can save me, dude. <laughs> well, you know, is- no, I, I like listening. And, you know, I like hearing what what you guys have to say because, you know, as much as you think you might be rambling, you know, your story is unique to you, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I do this is because everybody deserves to have their story be told and to be heard by others. You know, so I, I'm just as inclined to, you know, let you say what you have to say and I'll chime in. And, you know, here's one of the spots where I'm going to chime in, you know, with all the fathers that I've worked with over the last five years. And at this point it's in the thousands, you know, I honestly don't know how many fathers it is. You know, one of the things that they all have in common, they all share this similar thread where they're in a situation you know, whether it be verbally abusive, physically abusive, or both, and they have to make this decision, do I stay here for the next 18 years, you know, so my child can have the benefit of having two parents in that household, regardless of whether or not it's healthy, or do I say enough is enough, and I leave, and I leave because the situation is not healthy for my child. You know, I see that more often than not. And to be honest with you, a lot of the fathers that I've worked with have made the decision to stay because in their mind, you know, two is better than one, regardless of how toxic and how crazy it might be. And I myself, you know, I'm a product of divorce. My parents got divorced when I was eight, you know, and I was right smack dab in the middle. You know, it was a tug of war. I was an only child. You know, so I was pulled here, I was pulled there. I saw the worst of both of my parents, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I fell into kind of the same situation with my son, you know, being, you know, part of a a custody battle for an only child. I mean, thankfully, I didn't have the things that happened when I was younger, but, you know, nonetheless, I think, you know, we tend to repeat, you know, what happens in our history, what happens in our lives when we're little more often than not. Yes. Yes, I have realized that by having a wonderful partner in my life now, like being able to partner and attack life and goals together, and but like also reflect on patterns and upbringings and experiences, it's just like nothing better than having a partner that's got your back. And it's like, no, no, you're not crazy, or this is what was actually happening, or like, you know, or yeah, you know, but you're human, you know, like it's incredible. So, once you made that, once you kind of figured it out in your head that you could go either go this way or you could go this way, depending on the situation, how did it all play out at that point? Oh my gosh, it was, it was rough. So essentially, because my personal belongings and my family were on an island outside of the U.S., I was, there came to a point where I was like making a decision. I was no longer going to come back to the island and it was not in good, it, was, it wasn't a good idea to come back. So I was going to be in Virginia and I had a couch to crash on. I was renting it. My, I was used to rent the basement of a place that I sold my buddy as I was like transitioning from the U S to this Island before my dogs and all my personal belongings were shipped off 
if let me ask you a question if all of your personal belongings and your dogs were shipped to an island would you consider that moving there or not i yeah i would i would consider it moving there okay some people would say that one might not actually have moved anywhere despite the personal property and the dogs being present for two-ish years but i just wanted to confirm that yeah i mean i I would (laughs) you know i would say you know that's you're definitely in the process of moving there i mean belongings aside generally when somebody has a dog you know they generally treat that dog like family you know so yeah i would absolutely say you're in the process of moving right on cool okay so during this that time all my stuff had been moved to the island and it was cool beautiful caribbean however decisions were made i was on a couch away from my things trying to call and maintain some type of contact with like my two three-year-old daughter and her older sister and do real estate now it's hard to do now this is where like the new veteran entrepreneur thing comes in because it's hard some people like i meet people in my masterminds in the in these facebook groups or any you know just like people are seeking answers on how to become an entrepreneur and work from home all this stuff and that comes with its own set of challenges and I'm transitioning out of the military. I'm missing my kid. My family's falling apart and I have business to pay and like maintain life, you know, cause we live in this society where you got to pay bills mm-hmm. and responsibility and contribute, you know? So it's like, how do you not suck start your shotgun when everything around you is crumbling? You know, yeah. like that's something that my boy would say, Oh, how are you feeling today? Well, thinking about suck starting my shotgun. And it's nothing to joke about, but it's like that feeling is real, you know, (laughs) and plenty of us did it, like joked about it. So then from there, I was just hustling, connecting with my friends and family, doing real estate, doing all my business, everything that I can. And I was also consulting an attorney, consulting an attorney, choosing an attorney is incredibly important. It's just like any other professional, a mechanic, an electrician, you want to do your due diligence and talk to some people, get some referrals, look up some reviews. Or just like what we're doing here is learn enough to represent yourself. I've used attorneys. That's that's the biggest area. That is the biggest area that fathers fuck up when it comes to this kind of thing. Because I know how it is. You get that, you know, you get served and you're like, oh shit, what is all this stuff? And, you know, 99% of the dads out there, you know, myself included once upon a time, what we're looking at is completely fucking alien. You know, and the first thing we do is we run out and we find the very first attorney we come to. We don't vet them. You know, we don't ask any critical questions. We don't take time. We go out there and we find the first one that gives us the best song and dance and we sign with them. And it comes back to bite us in the ass most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard stories about that. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, you know, in the Navy locker room, you're looking around and people are you're getting engaged, married, separated, divorced. You can just see it. So, like, I mean, if I'm a if I'm a member of my environment, you know, it's only a matter of time. So I knew that that was coming. So I knew I had to kind of talk to some people. And. Oh, man, what was I saying? Oh, and if you can pay for an attorney, I listen, if you can pay for a good attorney and just build it, if you got nothing, if you got no extra time, if you got no extra mental energy or capacity to look at law libraries and look the process up to represent yourself, this is why we have professionals. This is why I'm in real estate. This is why you do what you do is because we know and do this enough to help you so you can focus on what's important to you. And so between going from an Oconus Island, military dependency, 
you know, separate over here. This, this was a really hairy scenario. So I need to t speak with some professionals and, um, did some vetting, uh, met, met one, met a really good one in Norfolk. And then she and I worked together and she really represented my interests. I, you know, I, she became like a friend and a family member. Cause I was able to be, I could be vulnerable with her because like I was served at, I was served at a parking lot one time. I was told that we were going to meet up for a dinner with my daughter. And instead I was ghosted. There was communication. Yeah. It, it was, it's, I, mean, I hate to say it. I hate yeah. to say it, you know, because like she's the mother of my child and we're on the internet and everything like that. But like, these is facts. If you were to be at a public hearing, you would hear this right now. Mm -hmm. I could, that's a separate story, but <clears throat> like, so I needed to, I needed to confide in her. And then she wrapped up all this paperwork. And then yesterday I was served at an Airbnb of which I never disclosed. And then I, you know, we closed this whole circle. And now today, a few months ago, I get to use this paper that she and I had worked on together because of the scenario that we were in, like po just recently post-divorced or about to be divorced. And now I'm able to be like, yo, she was never intending to follow her agreement from the first place. This is a pattern. This is from mm -hmm. this time last year, you know, so. That, you know, and that's tough. That is tough when it gets to be that way, because, it, you know, I think one of the biggest problems that fathers make when they go into this kind of situation you know, they look at their ex, their, you know, baby's mother, the former, the love of their life, maybe. And a lot of times they look at them through rose colored glasses and they think, okay, you know, I, here I am. I am this honorable, great guy that is always above board. She was with me. So she's going to be the exact same way. And that's how they approach this situation. And I think that's why so many dads get fucked over is because, you know, they're looking through those rose colored glasses and they're not seeing the reality of it. They're not seeing just how dangerous some of these women can be. I mean, let's call it what it is. A lot of these women, when we go through this kind of situation, they truly end up being snakes in the grass. And they will backstab you and fuck you over just as quick as they can. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I 100% mm -hmm. agree with that. Because, yep. I mean, I can't tell you how many flashbacks I get of moments where I'm like, huh. You know what I mean? Like, huh. Okay. Huh. You know what I mean? And we, there's all those stories out there. And first thing everybody needs, if you know, you've lost it, you absolutely deserve it. Self-respect. Okay. And then pay attention to the key words. Like I was told that I had grown without her, you know what I mean? Like being in personal development and following mentors and, you know, sales and marketing and communication and building rapport, like really personal development, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, and then trying to collaborate together. And, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know? Yeah. And then later in life, I heard, oh, well, you grew, you grew without me. And it's like, what? You know, I showed you the door. Like, you got the therapist consultation invites, you know what I mean? Like, I've begged you to set the appointments while I'm, you know, please give me, <laughs> do something. But you can only do that for so long, you know? And you're not, and if you realize that the yelling and the aggressive behavior stops when one party isn't around, it's like your responsibility to take action and do that. And that's what I did. And that's what my dad did. And I've and and being a parent, being going through this scenario, like having been in what I considered like a soul bond, it was really hard. You say rose colored glasses, I call soul bond because I was like the mother of my first daughter, you know, and that means a lot to me. Like, and then, so then going to this point where it's like, I, that I have to break that. It's just, 
wicked, wicked hard. Oh yeah, and you I have mean, to be able to do that. It's heartbreaking, really and truly. It's heartbreaking, you know, because you love this person enough to, you know, have a child with them, and you know you're wanting to make it work, and you know where you're seeing a future with them, they're seeing a future without you. You know, or at least a future with you far removed from the picture. And it's damn tough to deal with that. And, you know, you're you're trying to deal with, uh, let's call it what it is, the death of a relationship. Because it truly is a death. You're trying to grieve, but then you're also trying to fight for your child. And it's so tough to deal with that. So tough to do it. How? Let me ask you this. One of the biggest things for me when I talk to fathers is I tell them that they have to have something to get out of the negative headspace that is custody battles because it's mm. a horrifically negative space and it'll kill you if you stay in there. You know, truly, did you have any kind of hobby that you could turn to or something that you could do to get out of that? Yeah. So a few things and, Obviously, because money, obviously, I had times where there was more money and then I had times where there was less money. My my passion, my go to like exercise is like just a part of my day that need I need that to maintain the machine that doesn't mm -hmm. like stress release so much for me anymore. But my hobby is skydiving, falling, <laughs> falling and skydiving. That is my hobby. It's twenty five dollars a jump, but you got gear and repacks and you want to be current too in order to yeah. be safe and like to be good. So, so like when I wasn't doing that to, on the lower end, on the other side, to keep my mind right, meditation and breath work, reading, reading was my friend. Like during this whole, most of this whole process, I read the book of joy over and over and over again. And that's like an interview writ style book between Archbishop Tutu and like the Dalai Lama, I believe, you know, I might be wrong, but it's really good. And then there's like. Um, I'll, I'll say like prayers and other things to quote affirmations. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me kind of like open my mind up to not having to be in control of everything, especially in coming from like a controlling environment, yeah. the military, the relationship, parenting, trying to figure out, you know, moves. So like that really, really helped me out. And then I really wanted to not, I was really, really angry. So it's hard to focus on hobbies and do all this stuff when you're like trying to work, you're missing phone calls, you got to pay another retainer and you're trying to have a life. Like I was also very angry. So, and I wanted to let go of this anger. So I really got one of my favorite friends was reading and journaling. Yep. That's a, that's a big part of it. Huge part of it. You know, and it's, it's funny. I tell fathers about that, you know, journaling, especially, you know, and they're like, keeping a diary what am i an eight-year-old girl i'm like no dude yeah, that, it has nothing to do with that it's being able to get your feelings out and express yourself and you know not keep all that shit balled up and buried deep inside you because it's cancer yeah dis-ease dis-ease creates disease yeah. now and you don't have to you don't have to bitch in the journal like and that's what i think that's one of my biggest hurdles throughout my entire life my mom said that too you know like oh scream in a pillow write a diary but i didn't i always pictured like i would be bitching and i didn't like that but now like with the reading with the personal with the self-talk you if you're into affirmations mm -hmm. or prayers or like anything of like goal setting like that where you have to think and act like this is what you really want to self-talk are the most valuable affirmations and cheapest affirmations you can get the coaching. That's all great. But like how you talk to yourself is going to help you 
dramatically and how you talk to other people, recognizing, I mean, so, dude, I look, I could, if I could be looking you in your eyes right now, I'd probably see my reflection on either your glasses or your eyeballs. And then yeah. that's, that reminds me that I'm talking to someone who's like me because I yeah. see myself in you. And then how do I want to talk to you? And you can approach the same way to your journaling, like whether it's goal setting or how you're feeling about a moment. If you want to be the better person and move forward or relent that energy out, choose how you write that out because it is funny how you write on paper and it becomes like energy. It becomes real, you know? So like, and if yeah. that's the power of letting some negative feelings out, what if you did some positive feelings? What if yeah. you're like, Oh, what if <laughs> exactly. You know, and I went through this time where I got really interested in the self-talk, you know, especially, especially the negative self-talk because, you know, for everything that I was able to do, you know, I can still be a negative person. Well, you know, I, I think to myself, well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to do this? You know, that's dumb. You know, and it can, it can be worse than that. And it's amazing how when you actually start jumping into that and exploring that, dude, it's, a, it's another world when you start getting into that. When you start switching that negative self-talk to positive self-talk, it's a powerful weapon. Yeah, it changed. It changed. It changed my parenting. It changed my interaction with daily people. Every single yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely amazing. Um, so you were skydiving, doing all that. Um, so when you're skydiving, are you tandem jumping or are you uh, solo? I'm solo at this point. I'm a licensed skydiver. I have my B license. I think I have around 208 skydives right now. So like that's that's still like baby numbers in the skydiving community. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I love it. I love well, you got me beat. I've got one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's and great. You're a skydiver, man. You're a skydiver. I will tell you, it was the most amazing balls to the wall experience I have ever had. I would love to do it again. And, you know, when my son turns 18, I plan on doing it again. Oh, man. Like, and then there's the tunnel, too. So, like, skydivers go to the indoor skydiving, I fly, sky, <clears throat> sky ventures. And they practice, and then people who are afraid of skydiving or want to experience indoor flight locally, like you can do that too. And it is so much fun. And then when you're in the air, and you're like, for me, it's like less thinking. There's thinking, but like it's once you get it down, like there's less thinking, and then you're just being fast as hell. You're yeah. like upside down dancing with your boys going 200 miles an hour <laughs> in like, yeah. You know, there's, there's not a lot of thinking. You're not like, like, just like swimming. If you think about anything other than your stroke and messes up the stroke. And this yep. is one of those things where you are in that moment. I, I, I could not believe how free I felt, you know, screaming towards the earth at terminal velocity. And I was just like, this is it. This is absolute peace right here. I, it yeah. was, it was unreal. But I tell you, I dodged a bullet. So when I made the first appointment to go, I was all set to go. And uh, that day, I had to cancel that appointment because I had to work. I couldn't get out of work. That plane crashed. Everybody on board what? died. Yes, I kid you not. That was the plane wow. I was supposed to be on. What had happened is, uh, so where I go, they use the otters. You know, those yeah. big twin otters. twin otters. And the oil cap came off. And so it sprayed oil all over the windscreen. And he banked over to come back in the line because he couldn't see. And he tanked it and killed everybody on board. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, I, I try not to think about that, but that, that's crazy. That does. And that's, and so when people say, Oh, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? 
yep. you say they're not all perfectly good, man. Like, <laughs> well, and, and I heard that news. I got a text from somebody, and they're like, "Hey, you know, did you go skydiving today? Weren't you supposed to go skydiving today?" And I said, "No, I didn't. I couldn't go. I had to, you know, call out because of work." Well, you're really lucky, and they told me why, and I was just like, "Wow, thank yeah. God I had to work." There's there's a few moments where I get that pucker factor of 10, and that's like, you know, right as takeoff where you're feeling a little bit mm-hmm. of turbulence, and then also when you're under canopy going over trees and or the runway and you feel turbulence, and you expect it just like a bump on the road, you know, like every, you know, you're not supposed to say that this is safe, but everything is designed really, really well, yeah. and if everything goes as it should, like, you just drive it and fly it like you normally would, but um. Yeah, it's still like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, someday, well, someday I will do it again, you know, because I, I absolutely loved it. You know, I wanted, the day that I ended up doing it, I was going to do it again, but, you know, the guy had to go through and do the repack and all this stuff. And, you know, by this point, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he was like, yeah. yeah, we probably won't be able to do it today, maybe tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, and I just haven't ever done it again. Yeah, pick a you know. There's a lot of big places along the coastline, and you know, I love I love the Florida on the water. You know, there, I love I love Ellington up here in Connecticut. It's great. You know, I've been I've been up and down the East Coast, but people love Florida and Arizona. No, it's definitely amazing. All right, so we kind of got off track there. So getting back to it, um, so what else did you do while you were in the middle of of doing all this stuff, learning how to deal with parental alienation and the court system, all that? Yeah. Okay. So I actually knew someone who had also been an alienated uh, mother and she was, she had experienced international divorce. And so her, her kids are still in like Greece. And so like, not only did she become a mentor, she also became like some peer support. We both did for each other. And so all you can really focus on is because like, man, every, all you can think about every day is like, when you get to see your kid again, Mm -hmm. like, do I get to see her today? What am I, and for me personally, I want to be working towards something really good where she doesn't have to feel like I'm, I did the seven levels deep exercise and what that, and what success means to you. And essentially this came down to success to me means being so valuable that I can't be replaced. And so every day I'm really trying to earn my, earn my keep here in my daughter's eyes. Mm -hmm. So when she does look for me and I am here or this relationship that we're going to continue to build, there's something there and I'm not a piece of shit. That's me personally. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what I was thinking about every day. And every day was just one more puzzle piece, either talking to an attorney, logging an experience. And it's, it's emotionally draining every single day, logging some piece of evidence or logging some piece of communication that you think that you're going to use at a later date. It's sweet when you get to, because then you're like, mm-hmm. holy shit, I've been waiting so long to use this, and now it's actually coming into play. But so you have to be all like, just like the gurus say when you're trying to accomplish your goals, how you have to be laser focused. Like, yo, yeah. what is it that you want right now? I want to be in my daughter's life, and how do I do that? I need to make money. I need to support myself. I, w- I need the opportunity to support her if I get that opportunity, and. Lots and coffee, lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. so where do you see yourself in five years from now? Five years, man. So I see myself. I, 
I see myself being with my daughter a whole lot more if I don't get, if I don't have custody. My recent court hearing, it's absolutely no longer a motion for contempt. It's been confirmed verbally. It's a modification of custody. Now they're just reviewing all the evidence and the report is going to be delivered just like the other investigations. And I'm not going to have to say much at this point, I don't think. And anything is better than zero. And honestly, I don't think that anybody really wins in this scenario because although I'll have more time with my daughter, she won't be living at mom's house. She won't yeah. see big sister every day anymore. And then if she stays, then she's missing me every day asking why we aren't together yeah. and why can't we live in the same house? So it's just like, it's nobody wins. And I hope no. a lot of people who are new to this area recognize that. So before you bring your kids through this turmoil of the court system, like a lot of people make it work without having to go through this. So make sure it's really worth it. So in five years, I plan to be skydiving more, doing more talks. I love the talks. I love the workshops. It is so refreshing to do that. And skydiving, being with my family, living my life on my terms. That's, That's it. awesome. That Just is awesome. awesome. <laughs> hey, living the life, man. Living the life. So we're getting ready to wrap this up. Where can people find you? So Robert LaFrance on YouTube, you can Google me um, here on Instagram, LaFrance Life. You Google that anywhere. The LaFrance Paradigm podcast is a podcast that I'm doing. It's learning and sharing strategies for an impact for your mental and physical health and your career goals. And just like we talked about here, skydivers, veterans, fathers, entrepreneurs, it, I feel like based on my experience, they're so connected, interconnected that being a part of this group where you're surrounded by positive action takers working towards an ethical moral cause it's only best for everybody you know yeah. and that's who i want to be working around well said and that's well why said. we're here man we're yeah, gonna be absolutely. Spring, sometime in the next five years we're gonna be clinking glasses hey take me skydiving man <laughs> absolutely deal all right my friend i want to thank you for coming on tonight and uh you know as your as your situation develops and you get a little bit more concrete in what it's going to be, definitely let me know. I'd love to have you back Absolutely. on the show and get an update. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Stay in touch, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Absolutely. Bye. All right. Take care, man. All right, guys. So I am back. I do apologize for that sudden ending there. Um, Instagram has updated and changed the way the lives work when you have a guest. Yay. So now I'm going to have to try and figure that out. But anyways, that was the show for tonight. That was Robert LaFrance. Um, Robert, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate that. Look forward to talking to you again. And so that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. But before we go, I wanted to talk to you guys about one thing my son Xander and his YouTube channel. He's been asking me to talk to you guys about this for quite a while and I've done it the last couple shows and I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, Xander is a huge train fan. So on the weekends, we generally go out and we watch trains and we film trains for his YouTube channel and then he posts them. Uh, he's really loving it so far. So if you guys would do me a favor and head on over to YouTube and look up New Guy 2020. That's new guy 2020 Check out his videos. Smash that subscribe button. Drop him some likes and some comments. That'd be great. That would make my day. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight, guys. Uh, like I said at the start of the show, um, tomorrow is the last day of winter. Yay. How about that? Getting into spring and then summer. So 
I'll be back real soon with another show. So you guys stay safe, keep it real, and we'll see you again. Thanks for watching. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at sohomail.com.